0: Amen. Turn with me to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. You said, Well, you were in chapter 10 last week. What happened to 11? have to come on Sunday nights to find that out. My dear friend, Brother Mark Merritt, Dr. Merritt preached last Sunday night and did a tremendous job. Great blessing as he expounded on chapter 11. And uh, we're thankful for that. And even though Andrew uh, announced it twice uh, because I missed it the first time, uh, (coughs) overcome with the odorous presence that is in the sanctuary today, uh, I will say that tonight will be a little different, but something we do every year. Please, church, and a lot of you know that There's been all kind of stuff. You know, I don't have any use for somebody that just gets on something or stands around just to complain about somebody else. Whether they're elected or not. You know what? Tonight at 6 o'clock we can do something about it. We can pray. Do y'all believe prayer works? Do you believe God instructs the believer to pray? Then be here at 6 o'clock. If you really care about our schools If you even begin to care about our students and the next generation, and you'll be here at six o'clock. We're going to meet here. We're going to come together, pray in unison. We'll give you out some prayer guides, and then we're going to split up. We'll be going to Pinewood. We will be going to We Ones. We will be going to the elementary, middle, high school of Evans County. We'll even be going over with a group to uh, the uh, Christian Learning Center house and praying there. We wanna, we're want we going to be praying for our students, our teachers, our coaches, our custodians, our lunchroom ladies. We're going to be praying for our bus drivers. We're going to be praying for uh, the superintendent. Uh, we're going to be praying for all that work in the board office. We'll be going, some going there as well. And uh, I just believe that prayer is the greatest thing we can do for them. And uh, so I encourage you to be here for that tonight. Looking at Acts chapter 12, uh, I want you to see today the presence of God over His church. Now notice the play on words. And I run this by uh, a couple of college-age students to see if it made sense. And I got the approval and I said, "What do you think that means?" And they said, "Like senses." I said, "That's exactly right. Like hearing and seeing and smelling and touching, the presence of God over His church." Now, I uh, yesterday had lunch at Dairy Queen, and uh, you would have thought it was Sunday night after regular Sunday night service. There were so many East Side members in there, uh, and we enjoyed our fellowship. But uh, I promised one young man a good joke this morning. You ready? You ready for it? Talking about our message today and in light of our present, um, our present sense of smell in this place this morning. I want to ask you, you ready, McLean? What did the left eye say? To the right eye. What did the left eye say to the right eye? Between you and me, something smells. <laughs> like that? I promised him a joke. He's the only one that really likes my dumb dad jokes. But uh, don't tell him they're dumb because we enjoy them. Well, I'm reminded of several scriptures. One. I, I, I think of in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. He says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, now hear it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I'm reminded Wednesday nights I I know I say this all the time and y'all think I'm just saying it to prop up Wednesday night. I'm going to tell you we have a great time in Wednesday Bible study and prayer meeting. Matter of fact Wednesday night we had a three point sermon and I didn't preach to any of them. I asked those in attendance to tell me their favorite Bible story. And we heard about the Ethiopian eunuch, we heard about the servant with Elijah, we heard about David and Goliath, and we saw a picture of what God was doing in all of that. And we talked about some of our favorite Bible stories. Well, one of my favorite Old Testament Bible stories is in reference to a false god, an idol. An idol by the name of Dagon. When Samson had forfeited his judgeship. When Samson took his eyes off the Lord, and the Lord allowed the Philistines to take his eyes, even though we see a great victory, we see really defeat in his life. As he died, basically in battle, though not seeing and not with a weapon, Except for his bare hands, he pulled the house down over and more Philistines were killed in that time. But because of his sinfulness and the, the lack of, of uh, being separated unto God, it had caused great things. And one of the worst things was the Philistines had taken hold, they had taken custody of the Ark of the Covenant. That very special thing that only the high priest could go into. That place where God would meet with man. There between the two cherubs, the two angels, with their wings stretched out touching one another and the mercy seat in between it. And inside the Ark of the Covenant, there was a couple of very special things. Tell me something that was in the Ark of the Covenant. The Ten Commandments. What else was in there? Aaron's rod, why, what was special about that stick? It had bloomed, and not just bloomed, there were almonds growing on just a dead stick because of God's providence and God's strength. What else was in there that was so? A bowl of manna to remind them of God's feeding them every single day throughout. Their wilderness journey. Very special thing. But now the Philistines have it. What a terrible thing. And you know what? It was not just that they took it and they put it away in some closet. They literally brought it in to the temple of an idol called Dagon. And it said in verse 1 of... 1 Samuel 5, the Philistines took the ark of God, brought it in from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by him. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, the next day, Dagon had fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. Now, number one, God had done knocked that false idol off right smack dab on his face. Even an inanimate, useless statue that they worship bowed down to God. What does the Bible tell us that even the rocks will cry out? Dagon was worshiping our God. But that wasn't enough. So they said, oh, something must have happened. We had an earthquake. One of those signs." Excuses that we hear so often today. And so the next day, they had set him back up, and when they came back in, Dagon was fallen to the ground, his face to the ground before the Ark of God. His head, both his hands, palms were cut off upon the threshold, and only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Don't that just bless your heart? That our God is the only God. He's a mighty God above all others, and He brings everything to naught. But He will teach you hey, that's a false God. Get it out of your life. You don't get it out of your life, He'll break it. He'll humble you in the face of that. Now, with all that being said, look in Acts chapter 12 as we see the presence, God's sense. Over our lives. We see that Dagon had no hands to feel. He had no eyes to see. No nose to smell. And in proving that God just broke it all to pieces. Bible says that God's people when they are obedient and they serve him. uh, And their offerings will come up before God as a sweet smelling savor. Before him. This morning in Acts chapter 12. Look in verse 1. Now remember, we have headed into, ever since about chapter 7 and 8, we have begun to see persecution in the church. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Listen, the Lord is tuned into the persecution and pain that His bride experiences. The fact that His eyes, His ears, and His face are all mentioned in this quotation in Peter and, and, and hearing it, now today shows just how intimately God is involved in our daily struggles. God sees. God hears. God smells. God knows where you're at today. Nothing, absolutely nothing that will happen in a believer's life will be a surprise to God. I love that old quote. Do you know God has never been surprised? God's never had a thought. The things that surprise us doesn't surprise God. God doesn't sit around and think, I wonder what's going to happen. Now this crazy, liberal, verging on heretical thought that somehow because man has a a will and and the freedom to choose things, that God is limited in His sovereignty, that God can't know the future. It's called open theology, and it's straight out of the pits of hell. I'm going to tell you, God knows. Nothing can limit the power of God. Not Dagon, not you, not the American government, not Iraq, not Iran, not South Korea, North Korea, China, Russia, No one and nothing can limit the power of a holy and mighty God. You see, the sovereign hand of God we see throughout this Scripture versus the hand of man. It said in verse 12, verse 1, that Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain ones of the church. First of all, Notice the Lord sees. The Lord saw an apostle killed. James. Have you ever seen somebody really suffering for the Lord? Have you ever really suffered for the Lord? Sometimes we think, boy, we are really suffering for Jesus now. Because we have a smell in worship. Because that we didn't make quite as much money as we thought we were going to make because we've had some sickness or something, I want to tell you something. If you think that somehow you will attain to a certain status because you pray and you tithe and you read your Bible and you even come to prayer meeting, God is not going to allow any suffering in your life. You've got to do something with Paul and Stephen and Peter. This is James. Remember when I talked about these were the first tag team? James and John, the sons of thunder. I love that. But now Herod had killed James. I want to remind you, as we look, the Lord sees this apostle and his life given as a martyr. He realized who his forefathers were. Who were his forefathers? How about Isaiah? Isaiah lived a long life and died in his sleep. You remember how Isaiah died? It was a magic trick gone wrong. And I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek. They cut him in half. What happened to the other prophets for the most part in the Old Testament? What happened to the school of the prophets? They killed them. What happened to John the Baptist? Do y'all remember? I read that this week in my daily reading. Y'all remember that? It's heartbreaking. Now, it was a soap opera. It was a soap opera. It was, it was dynasty before the 1980s so you have a king and he's got a brother he likes his brother's wife his brother's wife likes him so his brother's wife puts away his brother and he marries his brother's wife he marries his sister-in-law y'all with me? sounds like some stuff we watch today doesn't it? shouldn't Stuff we're completely and adamantly against. But that's what happened. You know what John the Baptist did? He ran and hid. No. No, you know what John the Baptist did? He said, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's not right. It's immoral. It's against God's Word. It's against God's code. It's immoral. It's unethical. You don't do that. They didn't want to hear it because the flesh was raging they didn't want to hear it and so it came time that his new wife's daughter had a birthday y'all know the story said so when you go into the king he'll give you whatever you want because it's your birthday and just like so many other mothers of the bible like james and john's mother at one time they wanted what they wanted Said so when he asked you Tell him you want John the Baptist's head. And even though it made Herod so mad what he had done, he really didn't want to put his hand to John the Baptist, but he did. And they brought his head in on a plate and gave it. That's who James had as a forefather. But just in weeks, months, maybe a couple of years before this, If he had not been around, he knew people who were. As Stephen became the first martyr of the church age, there'll be people who give their lives literally. Shouldn't we give our lives figuratively? James, the brother of John, had been killed by the hand of Herod, but it cannot compare Because what does it say to be absent from the body as a believer is? So, is there soul sleep or is there not soul sleep? No. We're immediately, automatically, because of the blood of Jesus, translated into the very presence of God. We don't live in paradise. We don't get wings. Now, they may pin some on your white robe or something, but you're not going to have them Red Bull kind. You're not going to be an angel. Jesus didn't die for the angels. He died for you, the church. It is beneath us. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. But we are the bride of Christ. And when we leave this earth, we go to be in the very presence of the Son. We see the apostle. The Lord sees him. The Lord sees his friendship. He was a friend of Jesus, was he not? How do we know that? Well, there's a couple very poignant, very powerful stories that James is mentioned in. Was, you know, one of the times where Jesus, you know, he was baptized and his ministry really started and a great miracle that didn't involve turning you know, water into wine or some kind of material you know, food or something like that. It wasn't a body healing. The great spiritual miracle that happened on a mount. The transfiguration. Guess who was up there with Jesus, Peter, and John. James was. Guess who went into the garden the night Jesus was arrested? Peter, James, and John. What a friendship. But I want to tell you something. You remember that song? Were you singing church? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is take our Burdens take our heart to Him in prayer. Never to find one so kind, so faithful. But I want you to understand, Jesus loved James. He wasn't mad at James. And when we, and I don't fully understand this, don't ask me, why did they got to die? I, I'm going to be honest. As a young preacher, I would read the story about Paul. I would read, man, I would just dive in. I would love reading Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. I would read those letters to the church at Thessalonica, and those pastoral epistles as he wrote to Timothy, his son in the faith, and he wrote to Titus. And I'm thinking, God, Why did he have to die? Why couldn't you just let him grow old like John on the Isle of Patmos and do so many other things? And I still can't fully understand, but I do know one thing. He allowed it because it brought him glory. Or he wouldn't have done it. He's God. And we're not. I don't understand why this happens to this person and this happens to that one. I don't understand why this can't happen for someone. This can't happen for someone. I don't understand all that. But it's not for me to know. But what I want you to understand today is that the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. He tells us that in Peter. Think Peter heard Jesus prophesy of his death. And maybe at the first thought, man, God's going to make me a big shot. Hey, they're going to raise you up between heaven and earth. Maybe he thought, man, it's going to be this huge stadium and they're going to put me up and I'm going to be a star. Jesus was prophesying of Peter's death and how he would die on the cross. Yet Peter understood later in life the fullness of that. Yet he never questioned the friendship. Matter of fact, he said the friendship of Jesus... Is greater than I could have ever imagined. Don't turn your back on God because you're going through trials and tribulation. God's eyes are over you. He sees your heart. He knows. He sees every When I was a boy, and I said I wasn't gonna tell you these stories this morning because everybody wants to get out of the smell and everything. I'm gonna tell you something. They spread, they spread litter spread litter beside the church in Alabama, and they did it for fun, I think. Just to stick it to the man. They would spread it on Saturday and then come to church and say, Hey, like that smell, preacher. (laughs) I ain't going to say what I said. But I want to tell you something. When I was a boy, one of the greatest gifts is a BB gun. And it was just like having bought a case of shotgun shells. When you get this little bitty cardboard tube, remember them little tubes, right? Little yellow tube with a black top? You could shake and think, man, that's ammo, baby. That's how we learned to shoot. And I didn't have the fancy ones. I didn't have all that pump up business. I had, you know, I, I had two brothers, so we had just a cock one. And so we had to get pretty close. We had to sneak in up on them, you know. And we'd shoot anything, yard birds. I mean, we, we would stalk chipmunks, lay in cover, snipe them, you know. We'd have spotters. There's a chipmunk, be ready. But we learned. But I think back how many times we'd shoot a yard bird, or how many times we've, I've been quail hunting and dove hunting. You want your limit. Do you know the Bible says that God sees every single yard bird, every sparrow, every single animal. God sees it. God knows it. He sees every sparrow that falls. How much more does He love us and sees us? There's nothing... Nothing in your life that has jumped up and surprised God. God loves you and wants to be your friend if you let Him. Notice His future. His future was very clear. His destiny. It said in Mark 10, 39, He said, Jesus told Him, He said, You shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized with all, shall you be baptized. He said, As I have died, as I have suffered, James, you will too. Church, we could draw a crowd if we promised prosperity. Hey, you're going to make a lot of money. I get up here and give you the best Tony Robbins speech I can give you and and, and build build you up with your ego, build your attitudes up and, and tell you you are a success, you're great at everything, you can be anything you want. We could pack them out. God don't want you to ever suffer. God don't ever want you to ever have to face. Well, listen, God don't, but sin causes it. And God allows us to go through things in a sinful, depraved world that He may be glorified. Not that sin glorifies God, but we were born in it. We are separated from God except through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so the Lord saw his future. He even told him about it. How many, if you, knew your, if you knew you could know your future, would want to know? Me either. Well, let's be honest about that then. If we said, no, I don't want to know it. I, I couldn't handle it. I don't want to know what's going on. Then let's give it to God who does. Y'all weigh me on that? I have no earthly idea what Esau will look like this time next year. But I know one thing, God's in control. And if we'll pray and surrender Him, it'll be exactly what He wants it to be. Second of all, I want you to notice the ears. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And the sovereign hand of God throughout the Scripture always beats the hands of men. So Herod thought he'd done something. He killed James, tried to get Peter. Didn't work. Had him locked up. This is a cool story. Y'all ready for this one? The ears are open to our prayers. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read you the whole story. But it says Peter was kept in prison, and because of that, he was bound between two soldiers. He was so worried. He was so worried he lay down and went to sleep. Isn't it amazing? No matter what we're going through, when we give it to God, the sweetest rest will come. You just will. God will give you rest. It's all through the Scripture. God will give us rest. He will lead us beside the still waters. Out into the green pastures. God will restore us. He will cause us to mount up with wings as eagles. Listen. The Lord's ears hear the prayers. And so Peter lays down, he's asleep. He's really worried. He's got two soldiers chained on both sides. But at the same time, there were those who were broken. (laughs) The church of the Lord was broken. And they didn't even understand what God was doing at the time. They came together and they began to pray. And oh, they sought God. And they prayed, Dear God, we pray You would turn Peter loose. Do a miracle in Peter's life. Lord, break every chain. Tear down the strongholds. Oh God, we need the man of God. God, take care of Peter. And the angel came to Peter. Peter. Peter was so sound asleep, it said that he smote him on the side. It sounds like the way me and my brothers would do things. We'd be laying there, and mama said, Go get your brother up. We got to go. Get up, mama said, We got to go. Peter's laying there. The angel didn't walk up and say, Peter, Peter, sweet Peter. Peter, Peter. Didn't tickle him. Said he smote him on the side. Peter, get up. God's got to work. God is delivering you. Every chain had been broken. It said, well, it didn't even break. It just fell off. It just fell off. He said, gird yourself. Put on your shoes. Come on, boy. He did it. Cast his garment about him. He followed. They went out. Said he followed the angel. Wish not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. He is living it and thought he was dreaming. That's how big God is. You remember when God's done some great work in your life, you thought, this can't be so. I, I must be dreaming. No, God, you pinch yourself. Sometimes God will pinch you. Now, I remember being there and my mom would be smiling. And she, you know, we wouldn't act right. Mama just reach up under that arm. Nobody could see. She'd get her pound of flesh about like the angel got with Peter and smote us on the side. And boy, that right there, we'd go to yelping like a dog that just got beat. And everybody looked, Mama's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, don't act like your innocent mother. Daddy wasn't the only one that got on to us. He smote him and he thought he saw a vision, but he didn't and God brought him about. And so he goes down and they're all together praying. The mo- Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered praying and Peter knocked on the door. And a young girl by the name of Rhoda came to the door. They're all praying. Oh God, I mean they're into it. The Lord, I pray. And I'm not mocking. Listen, they're seriously praying. And they're so serious praying, they send one of the kids, hey, go see who that's at the door. We got busy. We we, we got things we got to be busy about. And we're praying. Go check on it. So Rhoda goes up. Yes. Hey, I'm Peter. Tell him I'm here. Okay, hold on a minute. Hey, guy at the door says he's Peter. They mock her. You've lost your mind. You're making up tales. Kids today, they won't tell the truth. They always... She was the only one right with God. She goes back, Peter said, go tell them. She goes back and finally they realize it's Peter. It really is Peter. God had set him free. I want you to understand the Lord hears our prayers even when we don't even believe it. When we're like, oh, all we can do is pray. That sounds so weak and pitiful. All we can do is pray. We pray like it's a spare tire, but you know, a spare tire can get you to the station. Y'all with me? And it may be the last resort, but understand something, it's the only resort. You can try everything else in the book. Raising kids, you can read Dr. Spock and Dr. Oz. And you can read this one and that one. You can watch all the TV shows. And you can study all the cultural nuances and what you're going to do. But I going to tell you, it comes down to you, your children, and the Lord. If you allow Him to. Your mama can help, your daddy can help, your brothers. Help. But there's in the quietness of the night, you know they don't run 104.7 fevers usually at 2 p.m. Do they? It's 2 a.m. It's 4 a.m. It's at the most obscure doctor's office closed, nobody to call. I want you to hear, Lord hears our prayer. The human action. The Lord hears a prayerful church. It said here in verse 5 it said that they were praying earnestly. Prayer was made without ceasing. Listen, He hears us through our tears, the brokenness of our hearts. Through our imperfections. They didn't even really truly have the faith to understand what God was doing. That, that verse still is, is resonating in my mind for the last couple of weeks where God says, I can do it if you believe. And He said, I believe. Help my unbelief. You help your unbelief. You just said you believe. We are always, we talked about it in Sunday school, we're taking steps of sanctification. As we, more and more we surrender, the more we're allowing God to fully have us. Now you can be completely surrendered, but God is still growing. You are not yet where you're supposed to be. At the pinnacle of your growth. You know the reason I know that? You're still breathing. You're not there yet. I don't care how old you are. You don't know it all. I know you think you do because you've told everybody, but you don't. You don't know it all. Peter said, uh, Paul said, I was, I was the man, man. I was educated. I was law certified. I was the man. But I count it all as loss for the excellency, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And may I also add, he said. I've not yet apprehended. I'm not there yet. Not there yet. Paul was the same way. Through our imperfections, he said in verse 15, You're mad, Rhoda. You have lost your mind. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. The world's going to say, Y'all don't know what you're talking about. Keep sticking with the truth. You hear what I'm saying? Young people fixin to go back to college, feast to go off to college, feast to go back into high school, feast to move up to high school, stick with the truth. The truth will set you free. Not friends, not more money, all that stuff can bind you up, but the truth of Jesus Christ is what will set you free. The only one free in that room was Peter outside and Rhoda inside. And Rhoda kept going back. He it's Peter I'm telling you. Now think about it. She's a damsel, so she's a young lady. And this is practical. This is one of those aha teaching moments. Young people, there's going to be time. I'm going to come down here because this this is down here on all of our level. There are times in our life, though you're younger, though you're way less experienced, you are going to have the right answer and those who are above you are not. You're going to have the right answer. But how you respond will show your level of maturity and your spiritual walk. Rhoda was not ugly. Rhoda was not disrespectful. It says she affirmed constantly. She kept going back in humility and said, you know, she... You ever been in a situation you had news you needed to share, but she didn't really want because you didn't want anybody to be mad? You want to do what's right? She wasn't disrespectful to her elders. Just because you may be smarter than some don't mean that you have to act arrogant. It's just like this. We say, well, I've got a right. Just because you can do something don't mean you ought to. That's the truth. We were talking the other night. I've actually been in places in Texas and other places, and there's some in Arizona and other that there is no speed limit Only on some of those roads. It's drive at your own risk. I've been on the Audubon. Didn't get to drive on it, but I rode for four or five hours on it. Love. Bucket list. Go back and drive. My choice of vehicles. But that's one of those, just because I can doesn't necessarily mean I should. It's kind of like a motorcycle with me. People say, You don't have a bike? No. Why? I can? Shouldn't. No. The whole point is through our imperfections, we may have the right answer, but it's how we respond. But notice the heavenly reaction. A heavenly, powerful angel set him free and showed the truth. No explanation. None need. But then the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. This is strong. Now, y'all ready for this? As soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers. What had become of Peter? And Herod sought for him, found him not examined the keepers, commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and their abode. And Herod was very displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. And they had really changed because you remember back in the days of Solomon, that's where most of the cedar and stuff for the temple came from. They had turned their backs on God But they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired desired peace. They tried to enter into one of those affinities that got Jehoshaphat in trouble. Because their country was nourished by the king's country. And because they saw it was great and everything was wonderful, and Herod, oh, he's so great. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in all his royal apparel, sat upon his throne... And got up and made this great speech unto them. And the people gave a shout saying, It's the voice of God and not of man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Listen, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. It may not be in your time, but the time will come. You hear me? The Bible tells us in Psalms, David. If anyone knew what it was like to have enemies, David did. He said, "Fret not because of evil doers." You see, God will take care of that. Listen, God sees the political interest of the world. Herod, Tyr, Sidon—they all went into this. This. Group to try to make peace. God, Jesus said, "I didn't come." When he came before, did he come to bring peace? When he came to the earth last time, what did he say he came? He said, "I didn't come to bring peace, but a a sword." Well, Jesus wouldn't. I'm going to tell you something. We have so mealy mouth painted Jesus with pastel colors. And made him such an effeminate, weak Jesus that people don't see the Son of God in all of his glory and all of his power and all of his splendor. Jesus is God. And he will not be lessened. The politics of this world cannot lessen the power of God, and God saw it. God sees what's going on in this world. The prideful influences that he tells us about here. All the royal apparel and all the thrones and all the jewelry and all. Oh, look what's going on. The pomp and the circumstance. Prideful influences get in the church. It'll wreck us, church. When we're more worried about politics of the world than the politics of God's church. So I don't think we ought to worry about politics at all. No, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because listen, you say, well, politics is all about who you know. What's well, the way you're going to get to heaven. Am I right? Tell me if I'm wrong. You're going to get to heaven because of who you know. And it's not because you know Brother Matt. It's not because you know Brother Ray or Brother Mike. It's going to be because you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And He knows you. The painful endings. This world's headed toward utter destruction. There's no way to escape it. I've read the end of the book. It's very bleak. If you look at time. But our God stands outside of time. And when all the tribulation is over, when one one quarter of the world dies and then one third of the world dies and when all the animals in the oceans die and when all the storms hit the world and all the fervent heat and people will pray and try to die and can't die, when all the plagues will fester on human beings for that time and times and time and a half. And through a thousand-year reign where Satan is bound and yet loosed at the end of that time and that great battle, whether it's the battle of Armageddon or the battle of Gog and Magog, it's the same battle that happened at Calvary. Jesus wins. The painful endings for the world is without Jesus... You lose. I had one of my dear friends, I talked to him just a month or so ago. Had not talked to him in 15 years probably. We were fishing partners. Fish tournaments all over. Worked together. Great guy. Man, great guy. Everybody loved him. But he was a Jehovah Witness. Didn't believe in Jesus as God. Believed in Jesus as a prophet. As a good man, a good teacher. A man to follow in morality, but not one to bend your knee, bow your head, and confess as Lord and Savior. And for four years, we worked together. We fished together. Never, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. God said, keep your mouth shut. Kept my mouth shut. And after about four years, one day, we were on the boat, fishing our favorite lake we like to fish at. And I said something about the truth. And he said, What truth? And God says, Speak. I literally, I, I mean, it was just as vivid as I'm staying here today. I was on the back of the boat. I like the back of the boat. Let somebody else work the trolling motor. I can get more fishing done. And I'm standing back there. He's on the front. He says something about truth. I said, Let me tell you about the truth. He said, Your truth. I said, No, 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 no. The truth. And I began to share Jesus with him. And over months and years, I was able to share the love of Christ with him. Listen, people without the truth of Jesus Christ are going to have a very painful ending. And so I want you to remember, in closing, I want you to see this. The Lord sees your suffering. He sees it. James Hurt did not sneak up on him. Never think that no one cares. Jesus cares. Jesus sees. The Lord hears our prayers. Are we seeking God's will for our life? Are we too worried about trying to plan our next trip, our next this, our next that? We're scheme about anything and everything, but are we seeking God's will? We're planning the whole school year out for our kids. Our kids are planning the whole school year out for themselves, but are we seeking God's will for them? And then the face of God is against evil. Whose side are we on? Whose side are you on? They come to the instruments. God sees. God's hand knows and controls and has a whole, he's not lost control. The Lord hears our heart. You know, Romans 8 tells us that even when we don't have the right words, God hears us. The Spirit groans for us when we don't even know how to pray. God's sense is greater than the things of the world. The things that we may see, look, Peter, his own senses betrayed him. He was alive and free and thought he was in a vision. Those that had prayed, Rhoda says he's out there. They said, no, there's no way. Their senses betrayed them. Sometimes our senses can betray us. God's never will. God sees. God hears. God knows and His face is against that which is evil. I want to ask you today are you allowing God to have full control of your life are you willing to come and turn your senses over to God say God hear my prayer Lord see me where I fall he sees give him your life give him your life as Lord and Savior come and ask him to forgive you and cleanse you repenting of your sins come in believers baptism come and say, God, I need a fresh filling. I'm a believer, but Lord, I need to be filled with your Spirit. I need, Lord, your touch. Lord, make it clear to me what I need to do for you. May I be open to hear your answer. Stand and come. Come to Jesus right now. Without hesitation,